This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Well, no question. Uh, we knew the liberal attacks would be coming fast and furious, and it's very clear that they're going to do anything before they slip from power. And they didn't waste time. They were um, calling the media out to play a secret recording that they say reveals Doug Ford's hidden agenda to privatize health care. Except the recording says nothing of the sort. This is the voice of Marilee Fullerton. She's a PC candidate in Ottawa. Listen to what she says to an American talk show, and I will give it context after. So people can't get the services even if they want to pay privately for it. Correct. That's absolutely correct. And, and there's, there's people that are perfectly capable of paying, would like to pay. And, you know, there's all sorts of options that you could do for pooling, cooperative types of insurance. And yet the government won't allow that to happen. Almost to the point now where people are being given the idea that they have the duty to die for the system. I would caution um, anyone in the U.S. not to adopt the system we have here. We're trying to change the system we have here. Okay. What am I missing? I didn't hear anywhere about that, that she was talking about privatization. Nothing. Zero. And these are, by the way, those were edited clips, so I don't know what they took out, but you can hear the cuts in them if you're trained to hear them. We all heard them. Um, but but Marilee Fullerton is a doctor, and she said the comments a couple of years ago talking to this American broadcast about the shortcomings of both healthcare systems. And nowhere does she say it's about privatization. She does point out what we do happen to agree on, that we have very, very big problems. Universal health care, just it's not working the way we think it works. That's not to say doctors and nurses aren't fabulous. We're very lucky there. But the system is strained. And she left her doctoring because essentially... All of the cuts to doctors and healthcare, she wanted to get into politics to try to fix it. And by the way, about those cuts, in 2015, the Liberals cut $815 million from doctors, and so far $2.4 billion uh, in cuts since then. You add that to the cut physio, you cut that to 1,600 nurses that have been fired, the frozen hospital budgets, cuts to residency programs. They've cut a lot. But I'll also point out, which I thought was interesting, um, Kathleen Wynne, the new health minister that she handpicked, Helena Jazik, said this to the Toronto Star a few years back, quote, I'm surprised the private sector hasn't been trying to fill more of the gaps. As far as I'm concerned, it's a two-tiered system. Most people feel we're supposed to have universal health care, and why should they have to pay for the services? No doubt the private sector will fill more gaps. It doesn't particularly bother me if people are charged for services if they're able to pay, but it's those who can't pay who concern me. Where's the outrage? Bueller? Anyone? I thought so. Francesca Grosso joins me now. She is a health policy consultant. She uh, also had her hand in developing some of the policy for the People's Guarantee. She joins me now to break this down. Francesca, you know, here comes the big hidden agenda about health care. And nowhere in that did I ever hear once this former doctor say anything about creating a two-tier system. No right, one wants so to have this conversation. So you're talking about Dr. Uh, Fullerton. Yes. 
Yeah. Well, uh, you know, look, first of all, I don't know Dr. Fullerton well. I have followed what she has said over the years. Uh, she is a big advocate for universal health care, and she is a doctor, and she speaks a lot about vulnerable populations. Just to put things into perspective, she took time off of her practice. In fact, she says she's retired to deal with a loved one who has dementia. Uh, anybody who has dealt with a loved one with dementia is in the full thick of things, so I would have a lot of difficulty uh, imagining that Dr. Fullerton would be an advocate for people paying out of pocket for services that they need. Right. But we're apparently not even allowed to have this conversation. And that's what bothers me, because we know that there are problems. Everybody who ha- needs some kind of health care, as soon as they go into the hospital, knows there's a problem, whether it's being treated in a hallway, having a shortage of doctors, not being able to get in to see anybody. And yet, apparently, that we're supposed to be, you know, freaked out and frightened by any kind of conversation about, um, you know, being able to pay for care if you can afford it. Right. So let me tell you, I'm vice chair of Patients Canada. It's a not-for-profit charitable organization. And we do, you know, we do go to our patient communities and talk about this. And I think it's important to note that 75% of patients in this province believe that we don't have universal health care. Uh, that people who are in remote communities or people are not getting the care they need, that people who know people get better care. Uh, You know, they say that the shoemaker's son doesn't have shoes. I think that's really specific to foot care because I would say that in every other industry, especially in healthcare, if you're connected, you do get care. I would also tell you that 90% of patients in this province believe that healthcare dollars are not spent wisely. Mm -hmm. And 80% would say that a lot of it is due to waste and mismanagement. So patients are feeling that they're not getting the care that they need and that this whole ideological, um, I don't want to say fantasy world, but, you know, I don't know what else, what other term to use, uh, that people are really not getting care and it's not universal. It's not. And, and instead of actually putting some more money to it and fixing it, we got billions in pharmacare that most of us don't even need. In fact, when I got it, I felt terrible because my I have a plan. Right. My child doesn't so, need that care. Right. And so if you looked at the Canadian Institute for Health Information, and they've published these results for years and years, our health care system is not funded by the taxpayers entirely. There's a 70-30 split. So 70% would be funded on our taxpayer dollars. 30% are funded fully on employment plans and private plans. So these would be plans that cover drugs, dental care, physiotherapy, uh, long-term care, home care. If you turn on any television at any time, you will see ads for Green Shields, uh, Manulife, that are asking people to consider purchasing a plan to pay for the things that our province can't pay for. Now, this is important because if political parties want to say that they are totally against two-tier health care, then frankly, in my opinion, uh, they really should be saying to the people of Ontario that they're going to end these plans. I would ask if Kathleen Wynne or Andrea Horvath are prepared to say to the people of Ontario that they're going to blow up all of these employer plans. These are plans that are not based on your ability to pay, whether you are the CEO of a company or you are 
uh, a person working in the company, an assistant, you get the plan Mm -hmm. that is largely, uh, in many cases, negotiated by unions. And essentially, that is 30% of our health care. So, you know, I think it's a bit, it's a bit rich to start to yammer on two-tier health care when we have had it, not during the NDP or the progressive conservative um, governments, but also this liberal government. I have not seen a reduction yeah. of that 30-70 split. No, in fact, they've actually uh, expanded private care under their... Uh, their government. I mean, the reality is, it's not talked about, but if you can afford the membership, you can pay a thousand dollars or whatever it costs and get your own MedCan. You can get private care. Well, and you know, leaving aside MedCan, I mean, the fact of the matter is that we all have plans to supplement, right? I mean, we do. My daughter is on my plan at work. I have a very small consultancy. We can't afford a really great plan, but I will tell you that through the Chamber of Commerce, uh, we offer to our employees, you know, over 14,000 known medications. Well, the current ODB plan, which is the OHIP Plus plan, offers 4,000 and a bit. So essentially, what, what the OHIP Plus plan does is it reprofiles all the kids that are on these employer plans that are not paid for by taxpayers and puts them on the taxpayer. We have had two-tier health care. I mean, if you want to talk about medically necessary services, the fact is that a lot of medically necessary services, according to patients, never mind how government defines it, are paid for by these employer plans. So are we suggesting that we're going to blow them all up? Because if we are, as I said before, these two um, leaders have to come forward and tell the people of Ontario that. Yes, I mean, I find it somewhat ironic that the finance minister who was personally picked by the premier herself, I mean, she clearly had no issue with two-tier care as long as you could afford it. I mean, she said these words herself. So now all of a sudden it's the hidden agenda of Doug Ford. This is what concerns me because we have real issues in healthcare, whether it's caring for our seniors, dealing with mental illnesses, uh, you know, dementia and Alzheimer's. And we're arguing about hidden agendas in healthcare instead of how are we going to fix it? Right. And I think you have to also consider that this government has delisted a number of different services, whether it's physiotherapy and others. Uh, they've delisted these services. So these services now would fall under private plans. But, you know, you raise a good point, and I think there's a lot of talk about the care not cuts. And I wouldn't mind just spending a few minutes to talk about care not cuts because the reality is this is sort of a risk that the OMA started with and the Liberal Party has picked up with. I like to say, you know, hashtag you cut care. When Doug Ford, and I I don't speak for Doug Ford at all, but I speak for myself, I would say we have cut care in this province when we do things like pouring in $8 million, $8 billion into a health record that we still haven't seen. When other jurisdictions with similar populations have managed to do it for $2 billion. You know, there's so many examples, if you look at the Auditor General reports over the last five years, where she has uncovered a lot of mis 
management. And I was watching the debates and I was very, very interested because I watched the faces of Kathleen Wynne and Andrea Horvath and how Andrea Horvath was sort of nodding when Doug Ford was talking about mismanagement and waste. And yet they come out with, yeah, but you want care, you want cuts, not care. What are you going to cut? Well, you can't have it both ways. So either you agree that there is waste and mismanagement with which by her facial expressions, Andrea Horvath agreed with. If that's the case, then there is room. There is absolutely room to cut costs without cutting care. And I just want to say that, do you know that in our surveys, 90% of patients, 90% of patients believe that dollars are not spent wisely and 80% believe that there is waste and mismanagement in the system. And I personally agree. When I read the Auditor General reports, I agree with that. Yeah, I tend to agree as well. I've got to let you go on that. Thank you so much. We'll talk Thank about you. it again. All right. That is Francesca Grosso joining us with the other side of that story. I'm Alex Pearson. This is On Point here for Global News Radio.